everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Thursday, saw you there for, yes. uh, for, for Taco Thursday there at, the, um, at, at Media Days, and we'll talk all about your adventures in Atlanta. Of course, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They also sponsor the first hour of the show. You can text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Love to get feedback from our listeners that way. That is 334-564-1840, the drive text box. And, uh, and yeah, we're still a couple weeks away from what well, we got. Actually, now we're less than two weeks away from fall camp, right? Because we got it starting, I believe, August 5th. August 5th. Yep. So so within, within the next uh, 14 days or so, found out that uh, during, uh, during the media address on Thursday. So with Auburn starting fall camp soon, you know, a lot of football uh, in the news. And, and Brian, you were, uh, you were part of the, you were part of the early morning huddle with Brian Harson, were you not? And then, and then the, um, and then, and then, you know, sort of the, the media, uh, you know, you were there following him around for the, in, in, in the main room. Yep. And, and of course, uh, you, you heard his remarks in the electronic media room. So, uh, anything that really stood out to you from Auburn's, uh, coach or, or the players, John Samuel Schenker, Tank Bigsby, Derek Hall, uh, anything that really stood out to you from Thursday in Atlanta at SEC Media Days? Well, I thought he said more in front of the, um, uh, Assembled media than he did in, in person with us, you know, for a little pre pre meeting meeting. Um, <laughs> and, but just what he said about uh, what went on in February, he called it uncomfortable and unfounded, and said, um, you know, people personally attacked him and his family and Auburn's football program, and it didn't work. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> That's and uh, I thought it was really succinct and straight at the point. And I'm, I think it's to his credit that he addressed it up front like that and uh, sort of. Put a nail in the coffin to it. Yeah, you know, so so a couple of things that I took away from Thursday, and I'd, I'd love your thoughts on. I mean, first of all, with, with Brian Harson's remarks to the media, I agree. I thought he came across as confident and eager to put uh, the the events of the off season sort of behind him and project stability and uh, and and a belief that things are going to go well right out of the shoot for Auburn in twenty twenty two. That's what he's telling when he was he was asked. You know, what's he telling recruits? And it's watch how we look on the field. I mean, he's he's yeah. certainly selling that this is a process that even with the uh, the departure of several players after the season was over, that's part of Brian Harson remaking the team in in the image of a Brian Harson football team and that's part of the process and I thought he did do a good job of explaining that I mean, yes, maybe it was a turbulent first year for a head coach at Auburn, but Turbulent first years are becoming more normal in college football because a lot of players can leave with the transfer portal, right. and you're seeing teams make uh, pre, you know surprising moves, polarizing moves with regards to firing or keeping head coaches. I thought Brian Harson did a pretty good job of trying to uh, of trying to explain as best he could that. Uh, as as severe as it seemed at the time, uh, this you know it's it's it hasn't it hasn't ruined his chances of having a quality football team in twenty twenty two. 
I think that's that's really true. And I think that's the other thing that stood out to me was his one word when he said watch, uh, his message to recruits. And um, as you mentioned, uh, I think it's um, probably the right move for them right now. You know, they are a little bit behind recruiting as far as numbers go. Um, they are being negatively recruited against because of what happened in February. But there and, is and the losing streak. I mean, yeah. even before what happened in February, because because yeah. what happened in February didn't happen in a vacuum, right? There were some things in the 2021 season, and maybe with regards to coaches and players leaving after the 2021 season, that led to what happened in February, right? So I mean, right. there's there's all these things that sort of came together into something that's very difficult until the season starts uh, to recruit. Uh, to recruit anything but potential yep. right now because there's and you're asking recruits to take something of a risk at the moment too because they know that uh, a a a bad season would would call the stability of yes. the regime into question so yes. it's not an, it's not an easy thing but at the same time it is uh, uh like 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 everybody in college football it's it's going to be We'll see what happens on the field. And, right. and it could be 5-0. Everybody, exactly. everybody thinks Auburn's the greatest. And uh, I will say this about recruiting. They've got a chance to make um, some, some noise this week. Uh, they, they've got a player in today who I think Auburn's probably leading for, uh, uh, an edge out of um, D.C. I'm not sure you know his last name, but it's Joseph Mapoyi, maybe, something like that. Um, and they're getting some pretty good players in the 23 and 24 class in this weekend for Big Cat. So uh, they can make a little bit of a jump here uh, right before preseason practice starts. And if they can do that and get off to a good start, you're going to start feeling a lot better about his football program. Right. Uh, with getting, getting back to Brian Harson's SEC media days remarks for a second, I thought, um, you know, even going in, you know, I was curious about what he was going to say about the investigation because – Whenever the investigation comes up, Brian Harson immediately, and I, and I and I understand why, because it clearly bothered him a lot that rumors about his family crept into either the online rumor mill or some aspect of the official investigation. Like, it, it, you know, it's, every time he mentions the investigation, he, he mentions that uh, it, he he takes particular care to mention that his family was among the things attacked, and it bothered him a lot. And I understand it. I'm curious about. If, if there's anything that came out of not just the investigation, but that first year at Auburn that, that made him reevaluate anything he was doing and change his approach moving forward. Because, and, and that's something where I, I don't think it's a, it's a gotcha issue or a, you know, I'm, I, you know, I really want to dwell on the past or anything, but it does seem like, I mean, you've, you among other writers have made mention, you know, they've made note of, a, a different approach Brian Harson has taken, either on the recruiting trail or strategically, or even in dealing with people and the media in the last couple of months. And I'm wondering, you know, how much of that was sort of independently decided, and how much of that was spurned by uh, by, by outside forces sort of pushing him to change. Oh, I've I've seen some big changes since February um, in recruiting. That uh, certainly turned up the dial there. Um, I think they're doing a much better job of getting kids on campus, uh, making contacts with kids, you know, uh, getting out there a little bit more. I think we're going to see a big cat, a bunch of 24 prospects here, which didn't happen with the 23 class a year ago as much as it needed to. You so get the sense he's someone who learned a lot yes. on the first year on yes. the job, seeing yes. seeing what it takes. And, and as I was on the Max Roundtable earlier today, and I pointed out, I imagine he learned a lot playing Auburn's schedule in 2021 and seeing what it takes on the other end of the on seeing it from the from the other side of the sideline because he played 
both teams in the national championship game in the regular season right. last year. He got that glimpse so, of what it takes. Auburn, right? Sure, and no, yeah. not and not to mention the other team. He, he went to Penn State pretty early on and was mm-hmm. on the sideline for that. And LSU, Tiger Stadium, like yep. it was, it was a, a baptism by fire in a lot of ways for a guy who, I mean, Auburn's the biggest school aside from a year at Texas. Uh, or year, two years at Texas. I, I forget how long he was actually at Texas, but but aside from that, the, by far the biggest school he'd ever coached at, and and the most difficult schedule one of his teams had ever had to play. Like you know, we we make a lot of a lot is made of the investigation and the losing streak and things like that. But I think it's easy to forget how new a lot of this could have been to Brian Harson yeah. in his first year as Auburn's coach, and to be confident now, and uh, you know, to to have. Uh, to have seen it up close now for a for a second off season on top of what you learned last year that's also somewhat telling i think that he if he feels confident and comfortable now knowing uh with a with a better understanding of what it takes to be a, a great team in the sec yeah, i would also add a couple of things uh, number one if you're going to hire a, a coach from the northwest from boise state without a lot of connections down here you need to give him you know uh the blueprint for how you need to be successful. I don't think that happened. I think he's had to figure out a lot of stuff on his own. So that's a failure of leadership within the Auburn system, in my opinion. Secondly... We'll get, we'll get back to that. Yeah. We'll get back to the leadership thing. Uh, secondly, the other, the other difference I've noticed in him is he's putting himself out there more. I think he's understanding more now that it ain't just about being a football coach anymore. You've got to be the lead recruiter. You have got to be the, the lead um, Fundraiser. Uh, yes. You're, you're, you're running for mayor every day. Yes. You've got to be Bruce Pearl, right? And, and Bruce Pearl coaches too, but he's dealing with a 13-man or 12-man basketball squad, right? It's a totally different dynamic uh, as opposed to a 105 uh, football program. But, um, of course, Coach Harson has a bunch of coaches under him. That's, that's, that's why, one of the reasons they need that big staff. But he, you know, he, he has done a better job of going out there to these um, alumni uh, meetings and speaking to people with Bruce uh, many times. He's also started his own podcast. And I don't know, there's seven or eight episodes in, whatever it is. So, again, he is relating and to the, and the, the podcast, other people. The podcast was a great way. I, su- I suspected this earlier that it's, that it's not just a great way for folks to get a sense of, of Brian Harson's personality. It's also a great way to introduce new yeah. new staff members that maybe you don't know a lot about, a Rock Bell and Tony or a Christian Robinson, you know, who I thought came up, Eric Keesaw, sounded... Incredibly knowledgeable, Ike Hilliard, and that's and that's a testament. We heard some some pretty nice things about the assistance that Brian Harson has put together, and that to me more than anything else. If folks wonder about the stability, because I, I was on a couple of radio shows last week, you know, in, in in Atlanta, and this question would come up about the direction things are heading, and and the more than anything else, the thing that I think is good news for Brian Harson. Is that, and I don't know how much of it I want to get. I, I don't. I don't want to give too much of the credit to Brian Harson because there are other factors at play. But the fact that the fact that upperclassmen that will play a role in Auburn's win loss record this year, who could have entered the transfer portal or gone into the NFL draft, the number of those guys that stuck around and decided to play another year of Auburn football: Colby Wooden, Owen Papo, Derek Hall, Eku Leota, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson. Um, I mean, you, you could yeah. you could add, and that's just on defense. Yeah. I mean, on, on offense, Tank Bigsby. I mean, imagine it's Shark Week. I've made this joke already, but imagine if if Tank Bigsby had gone into the transfer portal, it would be Shark Week in the yeah. transfer. It would yeah. be in the transfer portal, and every contender w- would want him. And there are other. Uh, I mean, Nick Brahms has 
the number of career starts that he has. If he'd gone into the portal, there would have been people wanting that experience at the center position. I mean, there, there are different spots where impact players, had they gone into the portal, guys that would have been viewed as impact players at different positions, decided to stay and play the 2022 season at Auburn. Yep. And that is, and, I, and credit to Brian Harson, but I asked all three of the representatives at Auburn in the electronic media room what factors played a role in their decision to stay. And the thing that kept coming up was, as much as all three of them noted a desire to play for Coach Harson, it was all the things that when when they initially decided to play for Auburn that don't have to do with the things that don't change yeah. when there's a new coach. Uh, you know, about about the school and the fan base and the and Jordan Hare Stadium and their position coaches. The the longest answer I timed them out because I clipped every answer, Brian, and the longest answer Tank Bigsby gave about anything was when I asked him about his relationship with Cadillac Williams. And I mean th- these sorts yes. of things. And so it was, and and it's you know it's a benefit to Brian Harson regardless of how responsible he is for it. But these upperclassmen that could have left, I mean that that will in many ways decide the fate of the twenty twenty two team. The fact that he got so many of them to stick around could could end up being the thing. I mean it's it's the reason for optimism for this year, right? I mean the reason this team can be pretty good is because of guys that the names I just mentioned in the starting lineup that, that could have left but decided to stick around. On top of Zach Calzada, who's, who's coming in. I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't want to just just narrow it down to players that were impact players last year, but the fact that he was able to get those guys to stick around is you know, more than I mean more, more than anything else to me. That, that's a reason to believe that he's got stability and something, something heading in the right direction in the locker room. Well, I don't think he needed a learning curve when it came to running a football program and, and creating a culture and doing all those things. I, I think he's spot on with that. I think that's one of the things he does best, and I think that's one of the main reasons he was hired because I think he um, brought that uh, from Boise and, and made that uh, you know, a big part of the reason um, you know, he wanted to come to Auburn, and I think he's done that. Um, so I, I think he has his team believing in him and his program, believing in the coaches, um, you know, all pulled in the same direction. I, I think that's an important part of winning, right? It doesn't necessarily overcome a, a talent disadvantage, which Auburn's going to have in certain games, but it does uh, promote a team that's going to uh, compete. And when adversity does hit, uh, a team that's, you know, sticking together and on the same page is going to be able to bounce back from that adversity a lot easier than one that's, you know, pointing fingers and having a lot of those issues, as we've seen at Auburn at times, you know. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to uh, skip backwards for one other thing that I think Harson is doing that he wasn't doing beforehand, and this is not something you're going to see Auburn football uh, put out on their social media pages or anything, but he is taking some time out or has taken some time out to go and meet one-on-one with some of the people that matter. Some of those BOT uh, folks that maybe didn't believe in him or were questioning him or weren't sure about him, he is taking the time out now. He understands that it's important to have those relationships with those people individually. It's also important for the Auburn alumni and fan base in general to feel like they have some sort of relationship with him, like they're part of his team too. And I I think all those things are, are part of what he's done over the past, say, six months or so? Something that, uh, an answer I heard last week at Media Days that piqued my interest because it was a theme that came up at times during the 2021 season. I asked John Samuel Schenker what was going to be different about the offense without Mike Bobo and with Eric Keesaw and Brian Harson uh, taking control of the offensive uh, play calling. And John Samuel hinted at, and he didn't, he didn't uh, do it in, in a negative way, 
But he hinted at the idea that maybe Mike Bobo and Brian Harson weren't always on the same page last year. Mike Bobo was used to having his own way, either as a head coach or as an offensive coordinator who was somewhat sure. left alone. Uh, and Brian Harson and Mike Bobo had never worked together professionally. And and there were uh, it just it just J- John Samuel made reference to the offense not being on the same page uh, last year. And I wondered, is that something that uh, is that is that something that had that had come up? Uh, before and and I guess the other thing that it made me wonder about Brian was there there were folks who wondered if Mike Bobo was Brian Harson's choice or if that was something I mean Brian I mean Mike Bobo had been rumored to be Kevin Steele's choice to be offensive coordinator if Auburn had made a change earlier that offseason. I just wonder if that's uh you know if, if that's something where uh where, where Brian Harson had been. Uh, you know, it, it had been somewhat implored to him, you know, to, to hire Mike Bobo or something. I don't know. That's that's more behind the scenes stuff. But the idea that things could be more more harmonious with Brian Harson and Eric Keesaw because they're more familiar with each other. And Eric Keesaw has, in fact, been Brian's offensive coordinator before. Do you do you think there's something to that? Well, I don't think there's anything to Auburn forcing him to hire Bobo or anything okay. he says on staff. I do think um, that there were issues. Uh, you know, he's had what five or six assistants, uh, uh, different ones turnover. And so I do think there are some problems there. And, and I, the guys that are new to working with Brian Harson tend to be the guys yes, that, that, that he's worked with before that have been cycled yes. out, and there have been they've been placed by people that he's more familiar. And with. I do think guys like Kesaw um, are talented dudes. I, I don't, you know, I don't think Auburn's just selling for a guy because Harson knows him. I I don't know how good Auburn's offense is going to be. I, I feel like people are going to think Jeff Shedding is a genius because I, I think a uh, Schmetting, excuse me, because I I think Auburn's defense is going to be really good. I'm not sure they'll feel that way about Keesaw just because I'm not sure Auburn's offense is going to be good enough. Maybe it will be, and they'll think Keesaw's a genius too. A lot of the um, this coach is a genius it depends on, on the talent they have, right? I mean, Al Borges was a genius in, in 2004, and I guess an idiot in 2008 or, or whenever it was, hey, you know, when, when all that talent was If Auburn's was gone. receivers take a big step forward, I'll believe that Ike Hilliard might be yeah. a genius. I mean, I mean with, the, with, with Auburn coming in with as because the position is the question mark it is, at the moment, as far as returning production and the number of guys that maybe haven't fulfilled the potential folks thought they had on signing day, you know, if if, if Auburn's receivers were were you know if Auburn's passing game took a big step forward, yeah, there there'd need to be you know, there'd be a big big pie of credit, right? Yes. You'd, you'd slice some for Ike Hilliard, some for Eric Keesaw, and maybe. Maybe some for Brian Harson. Maybe as well. some for Zach Calzada. Maybe some for who, yeah. who you know. We'll, we'll talk about Zach Calzada, yeah. the quarterback position, among other things, when we come back. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to dial. Dan Peck in the uh, in the studio with Brian Matthews. Yeah, I think some dude named Bill's going to join us. Sports. You know, I believe Bill Cameron is uh, is is shortly yeah. uh, going to uh, going to join the show as well. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to the Drive now. More of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Monday Drive. Bill now joining Dan and Brian with Drew at the controls. I uh, apologize for being a little late, but I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity to attend the the memorial services for uh, for Buddy Davidson. I yeah. mean, uh, great 
great guy, great man, great Auburn man. Yes. And uh a a a great turnout. And it was it was uh really, you know, it's 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 really neat hearing some of the stories, some of the things you you know, you didn't know, some of the things you did know about uh about folks um so so here we are on this Monday afternoon. I caught a little bit of what you guys were talking about on the way in. Uh, yeah, Brian, I, I wanted you to uh, um, talk a little more about uh, Big Cat Weekend coming up this weekend because that's something, yes, that uh, it's at a different time of year than we've seen it before. Usually it's been closer to a Memorial Day. But, you know, it's been a dead period. The dead period's still going on and, and wrapping up a little later on this week. And something that... Uh, it would be it would be great for Auburn fans to uh, you know to 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 have something good to feel about. I mean, not that they they don't. Everybody's optimistic this time, but it'd be great if there were some good news um, about about Auburn football as we as we get ready for the start of fall practice, which is coming up in less than two weeks. Yeah, and I do think there's going to be some good news coming out of Big Cat. Uh, multiple good news, so to speak. <laughs> if, that, if that sentence oh, makes that, grammatical sense, like probably not. But, um, you know, and uh, we may have some news before then. Um, Edge Wilkie Denod out of Fort, Fields, Fort Pierce, Florida, and Auburn has signed some players out of Fort Pierce, Florida. Um, uh, uh, the tight end an, and running back, uh, the, the little running back. Uh, uh, Shivers? No, 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 not Mark. No, this is this is uh, 2013. Oh, oh. 2010. Wait, no, 2008 or nine. I was thinking there was a, there was. I thought there was a lineman from Fort Pierce. Uh, who was Gus's little little running back that um, would take the pitch going the opposite way on, on the buck sweep and, and go eighty yards? Uh, uh, De- David. Um, uh, Caleb. Yes, Ontario. Yeah, Ontario. I'm pretty yeah, sure he's Fort Pierce, right? Yeah, he may have been. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, there, there'd been a lineman. Yeah, Auburn's Auburn's gotten some players from down there. Yeah. So this, this is a lanky Caleb's from Fort guy, Meade. right? From where? Fort Meade. Oh. You know you were close though. Oh. Meade, Pierce, one of those forts. <laughs> Man, I feel bad now. No, it's okay. You did you did fine. It was worth it. It was mm. worth it for us to try to figure out who you're talking about. That's okay. No, so I'm, okay, so I'm out. So, so make, okay, oh, <laughs> Brian has left. He's retired from Auburn Sports. No, okay, so so Brian, uh, what, yeah, so big big cat. Any anybody you're uh, you're you're uh, that's really got your radar up? Yeah. Well, so uh, I mentioned Wilkie Denode or Denod. I'm not sure how you pronounce another one that's tough to announce. He is an edge guy. He's going to announce a Wednesday. Um, another edge guy, Ashley Williams, is going to be there. He is from Louisiana, currently committed to Nebraska. But I think Auburn's got a chance to do the yeah, flip flop on him. I've, uh, I've I've heard a little bit about him yep. from from that direction. As yes, a fact. yes, and cornerback um, from Lochapoka, J.C. Hart. I know I mentioned him many times on this show. Uh, I'm expecting him to be there, and I don't know. I think he's going to announce um, later in August. I don't know the exact date, but uh, you know I think Auburn's in pretty good shape for him. And I'm not saying this is happening, but Bo Ugly is going to be there. I think this is his fourth or fifth visit to Auburn. He's the um, Big old six seven three hundred pound offensive tackle from Langston Hughes in Georgia, currently mm-hmm. committed to Georgia. And if Auburn's going to have a big flip in this class, um, you know, from an SEC type school, I think um, they probably got the best chance at him right now. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's just one to keep a close eye on. There are some 24 kids. Uh, Amon Lane uh, from Moody as uh, a defensive back, I think to watch really closely on Big Cat. He'll be there. Sterling Dixon, another edge guy from um, Mobile Christian will be there, and he's got to watch. And then a couple quarterbacks, I'm not sure both will be there, but Aaron Nolan uh, from over there at Langston Hughes, and then right. Adrian, I think it's Passe, 
looks P O S S E like yes. posse is what it looks from like from the from the Miami uh-huh. area. I, I'm I'm not 100 percent he's going to be there yet. I haven't confirmed it, but he's one to keep an eye on too. We're at the bottom of the hour break. Hey, we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise here on the Monday edition of The Drive, give us a call on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Stick with us. Back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 27 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com. Did you talk about your uh, Monday musings? I mean, a little you, bit. You talked, you talked about some of the subject there of Monday musings. Uh, I mean, I, I just looked up Fort Pierce. All right. It is Anthony Harris and Daryl Riggins. Oh, okay. But it, it says Daryl Riggins is a cornerback. I thought he was a linebacker. Am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, I think you are. Okay. Because I'm going Daryl. I'm not. I don't know that Daryl Riggins says he was a player here from 92 through or 93 through 96. Hmm. Daryl Riggins. The name doesn't ring a bell hmm. with me, but I remember Anthony Harris. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's a really good linebacker. Well, whatever. I mean, but Fort Meade was Brandon Foles and Ontario McCaleb. So, and I, I was uh, joking with uh, Jason Kawa because we drove down for those, uh, uh, one of those commitments, maybe both of them uh, back in the day, made that trip. And that's a nice so, drive. Yeah, it is. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so this this is the time. One of the things you pointed out and you mentioned a little while ago is is the twenty four. I, I know that I, I've read some some you know some folks on the message boards are like, oh, what a waste! It's it's all it's it's almost all next year's guys. And the point you were making in musings and and I, and and a little bit as I was getting out of the car is you better have those guys. For next year in there, you better be working on the next year's guys. Yes. This is where Auburn needed to be a year ago with the 23 class. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to make a big splash with the 24 class this upcoming weekend, along with picking up some 23s. And by doing that, that's going to set them up to, ha- to be in much better position come January and junior days and such. Um, it's getting the kids on campus right, getting a couple right. commitments, maybe, maybe more than two. Um, then getting a bunch of them here for games, you know, home games, especially those first five that are uh, in, in a row there, and then getting them back for an early journey day. And then suddenly uh, where you have four commitments right now, maybe you can have double-digit commitments in the 24 class by January, February. Oh, that uh, would be next nice. Year, which, which is where – which would put Auburn in the same place that a Georgia and Alabama and LSU, et cetera, Clemson are um, in their recruiting. That's where Auburn needs to be too. Yeah, so uh... – they they've been trying to catch up for quite a while. Yes, There's no question about that. Yes, and and they have worked really hard 
over the past six months on 23s and 24s and even 25s too. So uh, they're putting in the effort. Uh, I, I think they're feeling more comfortable in, in their different jobs, all the staff people. So, you know, it's not all negative about Auburn recruiting, even though there's only four guys in this class and the ranking is not high. There's still an opportunity for things to turn out well in that regard. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, as, as you guys were saying, and we talked about it last week, I mean, Brian Harson pretty much said, watch, and everybody right. will be. Everybody will be. And it will either it's, – it's, it's a great opportunity – um, it could go the other way too. Well, right? yeah, yeah, but it, but if it is, it, it, there's no way right. that they were going to be hiding anyway, yeah. and nobody wouldn't notice. Exactly, exactly. So, we'll see. Um, I, I think people look at the situation. He's a terrible coach, or he's a great coach, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think he he is a guy that came in and really did a great job of building team chemistry and um doing all the things to get the right people on 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 the right page right i think there's a lot of team unity uh, everything he says about culture is 100% true and people would look people would look at the 6 and 6 record in the regular season last year and sort of roll their eyes at that but that's after a 6 and 2 start and some impressive wins and in the losing first eight your starting quarterback. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. Don't under don't underplay <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I know Bo wasn't everybody's favorite, but he still was by far the best Auburn had last year. Yes, yes, and there's no question about that. And he, he won the LSU game basically for the first time there in 20 years uh, with an incredible uh, play that he made. Um, but a world. So, so all that can be true about his um, culture and building the football team and doing all those things, uh, development, doing a, I mean, I give him a, a, a nine or a 10 on a scale of one to 10, right? And at the same time, he can be going, him and his staff can be going through the process of learning recruiting down here and everything that needs to go through and competing against schools like Georgia and Clemson and LSU and Florida and, you know, Alabama, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and, and they are, and I think that area of Auburn's enterprise, so to speak, is getting much better and has room to continue to grow. Yeah, and, and one thing I think that uh, everyone who was either in Atlanta or watched uh, and heard the players as well as Brian Harson right. were really impressed that, oh, this isn't just coach speak. Nope. The players are seriously together. They're all. Yeah. I mean, they they, they are they, they are tight knit, and they are. They I said it last week. They've circled the wagons. Yes. They've got the bunker mentality. Giant and that's ship not the, on those that's older, not yep. the bunk, That's not your yeah. bunker. Yeah. Because people go, oh God, if they've got the bunker mentality, <laughs> it's 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 yeah. It would be wild. It would no, be but wild I mean season. seriously, yeah. this is this is a chip on the shoulder, backs against the wall, picked last then, in the west. I was going to say, and then you get picked last. Yeah. In the oh, SEC yeah. West, all those intangibles are very much in Auburn's favor. And you couldn't ask, you really them. couldn't right. ask for any more if you're if you're wanting motivation for. Right. All right, let's let's show them. And, and, right. if, and if that's if it doesn't that's, mean they're going twelve no, and zero. No, not right. at all. But but if that's all true, and you bring back the same team that had the five game losing streak to end the season, a lot of you're not bringing back that same team. No, you're that's, not. That's no, you're that's not. that's where I was going with that, Bill. Is yeah. that if you bring back that same team, you can you can puff your chest out and get take exception to being picked last, but but you know what what's going to be different? There are reasons to believe that Auburn could have something different than the end of last season when this season starts, and a lot of that we were talking about going from Mike Bobo to having Brian Harson and and Eric Keesaw in charge of the offense. 
it might not be T.J. Finley anymore who, who took over uh, as the starting quarterback after the Bo Nix injury. He's competing to be Auburn's starting quarterback, but it's hardly a given, right, Brian, that, that it's right. going to be T.J.? No, I, I, if, I, if it was a given, if I had to make a, um, a guess now, and I think the decision will be made a couple of weeks before the start of the season, it would be Zach Calzada. I mean, yeah, isn't that, isn't that one of the things that uh, Harson said to you guys that, you know, optimally it'd be 10 days or so it, at least before? Really, yes, he said it'll, he'll, it'll choose itself, so to right. speak. Um, but, yes, before they begin game prep, you know, you mm-hmm. want that starter. And he also sort of separated the time when they determine the starter and the time when they announce the starter, which sounds like a good idea maybe from his standpoint, but that's really hard to do uh, in this get day out. and age, right? It really, out. really yeah. tough to do in this day and age. So we'll, so we'll see how that goes. It, 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 won't, it won't be separated by that much. Right. And, I, and I made this point last week, but I came away really impressed with, again, guys who have no agenda. Guys who have no reason to praise Zach Calzada more than than he deserves it. His former teammate, the offensive lineman that Texas A&M brought to media days, Layden Robinson, and his former head coach, Jimbo Fisher. I asked them both about Zach Calzada in the electronic media room last week, and the praise and the respect both of those guys clearly have for Zach Calzada and what he did, what he was able to do stepping into the job last year at Texas A&M and winning a couple of games where there was adversity, right? Not just in the opponent that A&M was facing, but also in, uh, you know, whether it was the, the, the Alabama yeah, game. It's a miracle he, he finished both the Alabama and Auburn games. Yeah, and not just finish. But but finish them victorious right. on, on the on the winning side of the the pay window. So uh, I mean it's uh, uh, no I, I came away you know if, if as far as what changed I was really I, I was really impressed with I mean I mean I, I'd already suspected some of these things but the the praise that I heard for Zach Calzada from his former teammates really reinforced uh, you know some some of the uh, some of the suspicions I had about the kind of guy Auburn might yeah. be getting yeah and. Uh, that's what we've heard from this side too. Yeah, since he's been here, a guy that um, you know the proverbial coach on the field type, you know, always in the film room, et cetera, et cetera, which you want. But you know, I think Robbie Ashford's done a lot of great things too, and T.J. Finley has as good of an attitude and, and leadership qualities as mm-hmm. uh, any other quarterback uh, that I've been around. So I think it's going to be a healthy competition. Uh, the only reason I'm saying Zach Calzada is just, you know. Just my gut feeling, you know, my experience of covering this team for 20 years. Well, you know? I, I don't think you go out and bring him in if that's not the expectation. Right. And I don't think we've heard anything that would go against that. Right. I mean, that's that's the other thing. I mean, you, you bring them in thinking, you know, that, that this guy should have a good shot. And from everything, not just the coaches, but like Dan said, the, his his former teammates, but his current teammates. I mean, yep. they, they, they really have spoken about everything he's done to – to continue to try to earn this job. As as far as guys that the quarterback, if it's Calzada or someone else, as far as guys that he'll be throwing to. Yeah, somebody needs to somebody needs to catch. We we asked John Samuel about some of that, Brian, and uh, and the first name uh, John Samuel offered is, you know, when I asked about receivers and tight ends who had impressed him with the strides they'd taken since the end of the season. Uh, he mentioned Coy Moore, uh, which was, you know, his, his <laughs> name his name came up a few times yeah, it did. on with, Thursday with also Brian Harson mentioned him several times. Not being asked about him, just brought him up. That mm-hmm. tells that tells you a lot. Because he about doesn't him. do that yes. very frequently. Yeah. So um, yeah, he he is a guy that sounds like he is 
in position to be that number one receiver. We'll see how it works out in, during camp. Landon King's name came up mm-hmm. a few times on Thursday from his uh, from his teammates as far as someone who uh, had been uh, had been impressive this off season in, in what they could uh, in, in in what they could quite po- quite possibly accomplish. And uh, yeah, John and John Samuel mentioned that. The ability to play with all of these tight ends, the notion that that room was able to stay together and have one more year together, and with 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 because it's crazy to think, you know, not just John Samuel, but but Luke Deal, Tyler Fromm, um, and and now you add or oh, Brandon Frazier is coming back for another had year. Had a good spring. Yep. Had a good spring. You and add, Mike uh, uh, Riley Ducker. Yeah, you you right. add Riley Ducker to that. I mean, that that is a that's a deep group that could be more than one of those players could be on the field uh, quite often uh, quite often this fall as well. Yeah, and uh, that's going to be the strength of the offense, right? The tight end rooms, uh, that that group. You know, we're going to see that two, or, yeah, two or three tight ends on the field together. Uh, if the offensive line can get it together, and this team can become a a, a powerful running team, you know, even against good teams, and, and they use the play action pass, they've got a chance to be a decent offense, and they've got a really good defense, uh, first uh, eleven, and some good backups. So you know, things can go right for this team, and. They can't exceed expectations. I have no question that's possible. A lot, a lot of attention going to be on that position, and I guess now, uh, I mean, maybe there's already going to be a lot of attention on Coy Moore, uh, but now yeah, after the, after the last so. after the last <laughs> week or so, uh, yeah. going to be even more when, uh, when when fall practice gets going, and, and folks, whatever glimpses they can have of the team uh, this fall, there, there will be a, there will be a lot of interest in uh, in, in who's going to be catching the ball. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline. And let's uh, get to the phone before we get to our final break of hour number one. And Brett is up first. Hey, Brett. Hey guys. Um, the receiver I've heard three Auburn players talk about uh, that's really turning heads is uh, Dawson. And Chick. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if his nickname is Chick or yeah. Tick, but Chick. they call him by nickname. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that yeah that, that we first heard that from Mike Hilliard, and somebody mentioned it the other day. Chick uh, Dawson, at, baby. At, at, Chicky uh, baby. At, at media days, yeah. mentioned Chick yeah. as as having a good uh, good summer. Yeah. Also, I uh, saw another player being interviewed. It was on a another podcast and um, he was the name that came up. I mean, he didn't mention anybody else. He said Chick or I, yeah, I well, what, what I believe, and I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Coach Harson talking about him. He just said Chick has really done all the things, understanding, mm-hmm. preparation, and uh, taking, you know, uh, taking taking every day seriously, that type thing. I don't think anybody ever questioned his ability, and that's why we heard his name, Brian, last Many year times. in right. in preseason as a as a making during plays. the season. And, and you kept hearing that this guy's about to break through, and it just never happened for him for whatever right. reason. But the one thing about uh, Tavares Dawson or Chick Dawson, <laughs> he has that um, you know over the top deep uh, ball ability. Like he can he can take the back off of a, of a defense and make those sixty seventy yard catches. And as as Brian Harson was saying, he's also as they look for receivers that can take a four or six yard catch and make a guy miss. And and turn that into a yeah. big play. Tavares Dawson has some of that ability as well. And and something else, Brett, that that I would pay attention to with Tavares Dawson is when a guy gets a lot more playing time in the bowl game than he got during the regular season. That's an indication of sort of upward trajectory. Even if the bowl game results aren't right. necessarily what you like, the fact that 
the most snaps Tavares Dawson saw in a game last year was in the bowl game, would tell you that maybe even despite the changes to the offense since that bowl game, there could be bigger plans for him in 2022. Yeah, it seems like uh, he was actually in the two deep right before the first game, mm-hmm. and he either was in COVID protocol or got COVID, so he missed two games, and right after that, I think he hurt an ankle or whatever. But uh, there was a, And yeah. there was a receiver's, there was a coaching change in there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I've heard uh, Fred, where the quarterbacks say uh, Capers has been spending more time um, working on his game than he has in the past. Which That's good to hear. He started off his uh, freshman year. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but I mean, he started off really good. I mean, he was averaging about a catch a game, and one game he didn't even play in. And he had one uh, catch against Georgia taken away from him. And, you know, I think in the South Carolina game he had three receptions. But then after that, something happened. And I think he caught one more ball the rest of the year. So I, there's no question. I, I think he was a top 150 recruit, too. So I, I think he's got the ability. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of folks have been wondering when we're going to see more of him because uh, the, Auburn didn't have many of his type. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that size, yeah. the, the combination of size and speed that he has. And he's a guy that has always had that terrific combination, right, and just has not mm-hmm. been able to put it all together. And I think Ike Hilliard maybe has pushed the right button with him. And uh, if he can continue on this path, he could be another guy that has a breakout uh, year at a position where Auburn is desperate for some guys to step up. I mean, they've got, I don't know, 10 or 12 different receivers. Yeah, I think they've got 12. Zave Capers is the guy to me where, if, if of all these receivers, is the one where, because because of the height, right, if he, were to, if he were to turn into a real number one, the NFL would take notice in a way that maybe they wouldn't because of the physical limitations of some of the other guys. Zave Capers is somebody that, I mean, absolutely, and, and as Brett mentioned, has the recruiting pedigree. And since we're doing this, we're naming a bunch of receivers that could be. Uh, but, uh, John Samuel Schenker, multiple times in the electronic media room, cautioned people against forgetting about Malcolm Johnson Jr., who's somebody that has had a, you know, he had a weird uh, start to his college football career enrolling. He uh, was a late. Yeah. Early admission. A late early enrollee. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been, and, and he's been sort of playing catch up, but Malcolm Johnson Jr., especially when you talk about recruiting uh, profiles, I mean, that, that's that's a guy that when he was in high school, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, uh, people looked at Malcolm Johnson Jr. and said, yeah. future, future starter, impact player in yep. the SEC someday. Yep. Uh, came here as really, really young. Um, has certainly has that potential, too, to step up. I mean, you've got 12 guys, and a lot of them you could say that about, right? A lot of them have a great combination of size or speed or quickness, and it just hasn't happened yet. But I think with a guy like Ike Hilliard, who has that NFL experience, who is just a great teacher, developer of talent, also a guy who really relates well to other people, you know, just has that ability to, um, you know, get your attention. I just feel like some guys, you're going to see them take, big steps in their development and you know they can't all 12 you know become stars right you know three or four are going to step up some other guys will step up in the backup roles some other guys will just have to wait their turn how how many of them are going to play like guys who who should be starting in the sec that's the question we'll see yep we need to get to our final break of hour number one appreciate the call brett you can join in as well 334-321-1390 we'll be right back here on the monday drive 
live on The Drive. <laughs> the Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final couple of minutes of hour number one here on this Monday. Bill, Dan, Brian, Matthews. Brian, as uh, we're heading up to the uh, top of the hour, just um, let folks know what all's going on there at uh, AuburnSports.com, what you got coming up here over the next few days. Going to start picking back up pretty quickly. I mean, there's a lot going on, right? Uh, you just had the baseball draft. We got a chance to catch up with Butch and have some updates there. We'll I had Sonny in Huntsville. That's cool, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, Trash Pandas. Um, we just talked to Bruce Pearl today. They're leaving uh, for their Israeli trip here at the end of the week, I right. think. Uh, well, and, of course, all those games are televised, which is great. And then you've got uh, recruiting. I think this I, is going to be don't a, think they're. I don't think they're televised. I think they're Tel Avivd. Oh, there you go. Is it time to go to break yet? <laughs> Uh, yeah, shame we didn't have the other. But I'm pumped. All right. And there it is. I think this is going to be a big week for recruiting, really big week. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll talk some about uh, Bruce Pearl's comments and the Auburn basketball trip and more. We're halfway done here on the Monday Drive. Come on in and join us for hour number two. Sports Leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Monday Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Had a good weekend. Good to have everybody back. From me, I think everybody made it back. At least everybody I know of made it back from media days. I, mean, I did. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. that's good. That's good. Well, you were only there for a day. Yeah. Got up early. Dan, you went day of? Yeah. Oh wow. I left at like four something. Cause see, I mean, I was talking with Jason, and then Jason was like, "There's no way, no way he was going to get it. up that early." I did it and go. Mm-hmm. So wow. That's a long day, man. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. But yes, I was tired when I got back. Probably not the wisest choice I've ever made. But well, but it's it's uh, you're well, you are though. You're you're wiser than. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that we're wiser than we were. You know, you were well, just back in the day. Back in the been, day would have been all pulling all yeah, nighter and yeah, go. You exactly. were just there to stock up on lottery tickets, as That's we right. established during the commercial right. break. That was the main reason you wanted to make which the trip was another to L. That's right. 
But oh well. But another, you get another chance. Yeah, you get another right. chance for Tuesday. All right. Uh, hour number two of the drive. Before we get two off the tracks, hour number two of the drive. Brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com. And we're uh, looking forward to hearing from you. You can give us a call on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840. On the Drive text box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, the podcast of the Drive, available however you listen to podcasts. You can go to aunetwork.com and use the Podcast Center. You can search for the Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform, or you can use the award-winning ESPN 106.7 app. And uh, let's go ahead and get right to the phone and getting things started. It's Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Hey, we're doing all right, guys. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to Dan about this, and I was going to ask Bill and Brian uh, what your thoughts were. All, all things being equal, which fan base is going to be happier since we're in preseason mode here? Arkansas at 8-4 and four with a loss to Auburn. Or Auburn at eight and four with a win over Arkansas. Hmm. Auburn, yeah. This is the rare. You think the fan base? I mean, Arkansas is picked. I mean, Auburn's picked last in the SEC. Auburn, Auburn's fan base is not going to be ecstatic by any means, but Arkansas's fan base is going to be very disappointed if they don't beat Auburn and if they don't win more than eight games. I mean, I think that if you go, you win six games in the regular season two years in a row. You shouldn't be thrilled with eight, but eight is a, eight is progress from what you've had in the recent past, and and that's you know I, again I wouldn't. Have, I, I don't have know. You that, looked at Arkansas' schedule. Oh no, I was talking about Auburn. I was well, I was yeah, saying for, for Auburn, eight eight and four is progress over the last two years when Auburn sure. won six games in the regular season. That's why I would suggest that eight and four would be and and it's and it's uh, and it probably saves the it saves the job of the coach. For a year, in have a way you, that seven and five or six and six wouldn't potentially. Have you seen Arkansas schedule? Have you looked at their schedule? I know, I know they've got Cincinnati. Is it Cincinnati, BYU, and it's Cincinnati? Well, BYU is not until later in the right. year, but yeah, they've got they open with Cincinnati. They've got South Carolina at home early. Um, they you know Texas A and M back to back. I think they I think they have Texas A and M and Alabama back to back. By the middle, by the first week of October, like they they will have played Cincinnati, South Carolina, Texas A and M, and Alabama, all in the first half of the season. Oh no, it's um, it's a daunting it's a daunting start, especially if Cincinnati resembles the program they've been in the last few years. I know Arkansas is is favored in that game uh, at, at at the moment, but like no, I I, I think that's a it's a dangerous opener for a team that, well, that's going to play an SEC West schedule. That's where that's where I'm that's where I'm curious because for Arkansas to lose to Auburn and still get to eight wins, they're going to have to have beaten some really good football teams along the way. Oh um, yeah, I, whether, you're right. Whether it's, you're right. Whether about it's that. BYU, yeah, they're going to have to go to to Utah and beat BYU and beat Cincinnati and then you know lose to Alabama, Texas A and M, and maybe another loss to, to Ole Miss. Or you know somebody like that along the way, but they they would have to get to eight wins with a loss to Auburn. Arkansas is going to have to beat somebody, and I'm just I'm just curious like how how the two different fan bases because you've got one that's picked to finish third in the West right now, um, and if you're finishing third in the West, you better win eight ball games because yep. you're not you're not doing it if you don't win eight ball games. No, you're right. 
And so I, I'm just curious. Like, do you do you think, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's been it's been something that I hadn't been able to figure out. Well, and like, and like I, I asked a couple of folks, I mean, you know, you would think that Arkansas, uh, you know, has has put has put any any days of problems in the far far rearview mirror. They've had one winning season in the last five years. It was a great year last year, no question about it. But Auburn, Auburn still beat them, and, and Auburn was much better than they were when they played last year. I, w- I would dare to say right now, just like I said, just looking at the schedule. By the time October, you get through those first weekend of games, October. Arkansas is more likely to be more likely to be two and three than than Auburn is. You, so you you don't think Arkansas is two and zero oh after Cincinnati and South Carolina, both in Fayetteville, to open the season? I, I, I don't know. Look, I said this last. Yeah. I, I said the same thing about Arkansas last year. Like that, they were the one team going into the year that they, you know they had that stretch with Texas and Alabama and Georgia and some other games and. It was one of those deals where they could have very well been two and six to start the year. They could have started the year six and two. Um, I, I think they're kind of in the same boat this year. I, I just don't know. I don't understand why they're picked to finish third. Because they were such a fun team, and everybody loves Sam Pittman. I, I kind of agree with that. Like, there, there's nothing football wise that tells no. you that they should be they should be third in the West. I, I've, I've been saying that all along. It's like, I mean, maybe so. What a great story they were! It was a, such a good feel good story. It was Arkansas and Sam Pittman, but uh, but but yeah, it's hard for me to believe that their that their talent one to eighty five has improved that much, and and people aren't going to uh, be looking past Arkansas any and all this year. No. Not at all. All right, like that. Just, just a question. Good stuff, Jeremy. Three, three, four, three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. I don't know. I mean, they're they're another team in that in the in that crapshoot where you look at you look at the results from last year's Arkansas team and they were an eight and four team that was very close to being much better oh, than eight and four. Te- I, know, I know, I know. Everybody is. Yeah. Everybody looks at we we won a bunch of close games. We lost a bunch of close games. Arkansas is a team where you could look at the one touchdown loss to Alabama, the one point loss. To uh, to to uh, Ole Miss. I mean, there were a couple of games in there, even for an eight and four team, that were very. I mean, I mean, you're, you're right. Auburn probably the only game last year where they were uh, where they were really uh, where they were really handled uh, by their opponent. Every every other game was. I, mean, I, I believe Auburn made was it Marcus Harris that had the big. Um... Uh, fumble recovery in that game, they, and they lost, yeah. and they lost thirty-seven nothing to Georgia. But yeah. they were like that. That's in almost a different category of the way Arkansas was beaten last I year. Remember, it, it was it was pretty close to right at halftime. What? No, 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 no. That was that was twenty twenty. No, no, that was right. that was the no, first right. time they played. No, this. Right. no it was not. No, you're right. They, they were going to stop the run, and it was like uh, Stetson Bennett like completed five passes for a thousand yards. That was when number half. number eight Arkansas went to number two Georgia, yeah. and everybody was thinking, "Let's find out if Arkansas is yeah. re- ready to, to punch with uh, the no. heavyweight champs." And, and it was maybe not. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm not as skeptical as maybe you guys are about Arkansas. I mean, I'm skeptical about everybody in the SEC West, other than Alabama, as far as like there's there's things to doubt about these teams, but. In the case of Arkansas, I can get why there's enthusiasm behind oh, yeah. an eight and four team that looked very good in its bowl game, uh, nearly beat Alabama in November, brings back the starting quarterback 
from last year. And even as they sort of replace guys on the offensive line, they've, they've got to replace a great they do. receiver. They, they have to, great tra- yeah, they have to receiver. replace Traylon Burks, which is, which is not going to be easy. The guys in, in Atlanta were saying it's not necessarily about one player stepping into Traylon Burks' shoes because it's easier said than done. It's about right. you know a lot of receivers sort of stepping up. The run game, though, um, you know, you do even, even they if led, the names... they led the power five in rushing yeah. a year ago. T- talk to talk to Ty Richardson about did, that, and he mentioned that they they were how as, many, yeah they returned what two starters couple, on the yeah, offensive they, line. They, they returned two starters on the offensive line, and see that's what that's what I've heard some people. Well, there's nothing to worry about yeah. because we've got a great offensive line coach as the head coach. You bet. You cannot take offensive line play for granted. No, especially when you start the season with dangerous games. Right, like right. If, it's, if it's a situation where you've got a couple of games for that to slide into place, that's one thing. Because You're, Sam Pittman is not coaching the offensive line. No. He's the, he is a great offensive line coach, and you would think they'd have good offensive lines, but he's not He's not spending all his time on the offensive line. He might have to be. right. Uh, if, if that's the only spot where well, they don't bring true. back starters, he might roll his sleeves up and become the offensive line coach again because, yeah, they've got Cincinnati, a playoff team, on opening day. And it's a Cincinnati team that lost a lot of players. It, it, it is, it is, and, and there's a reason Arkansas is about a, I think, I think Arkansas is about a ten point favorite right now, and you know, in a lot of places in that game, seven to ten is the uh, is is the number on the Arkansas Cincinnati game at the moment in in Fayetteville, and the uh, and then and then week two, uh, South Carolina, uh, you know, another wild card in the SEC with what they bring back, coupled with Spencer Rattler stepping into the uh, stepping into the quarterback role. I mean, that that's a that's a dangerous game too for for a team that's. Figuring some things out on the yeah. on, on the that's, offensive line. That's one of those games that you know can determine a lot for both those teams. Oh yeah, early early games. So yeah. if, if South Carolina's offense gets a lot better with Spencer Rattler, that SEC East becomes all that much more interesting, right? Because suddenly Kentucky and Florida look like teams, even Tennessee looked like teams that could lose to a South Carolina team that gets much better at the quarterback position than what than what they were last year. I mean that that's that's one to me where you know if Spencer Rattler can recapture. Some of what he was in 2020, when he was one of the top quarterbacks in college football, suddenly that division is yeah. is, I mean, up up for up for grabs at least as far as who's the best team behind Georgia. Well, it's interesting because you look at both divisions. I think five of the six teams other than Georgia could finish second in the East. Right? I don't think Vanderbilt I agree. I think everybody second. but Vandy, even though Vandy got the got the vote to win the conference, yeah, not yeah. just to win the division, yeah. but to win the conference. You know what? I, uh, and, I'll, and I'll just add to that. I think there are six teams that can finish second to Alabama in the West. Yeah, I agree. Legitimately. The one thing I'll say about that Vanderbilt vote, at first I was like, what? what, what? But then again, the SEC has sort of made a mockery of SEC media days. Well, so that doesn't bother me. In I, fact, from now on, I may start doing that just to, just to be that guy, right? Uh, see, here, here's the thing. I heard you <laughs> talking about it a little bit today on, on the roundtable. I talked about it the other day um, that I think – I think the the SEC should should let everyone who votes know that they could release the results of your votes. Not that they not that they necessarily are, Everyone's. but they could. Yes, that anyone's votes could no, be released. No, no, no. I, I no, was going I, the other. I think, I, but I, but I think if you're going to release one person, release well, everyone. No, but if they tell, if they just tell everyone, we could release the votes. I'll go a step further. I think they should be released. I think they should, you know what? I think I would have no problem. And if the SEC wanted to do it with, with, if that was the policy starting next year to dissuade people from, from trolling the SEC with their votes, 
we're going to release we're going to release the vote on Friday. And if you don't want to participate because your vote's going to be public, then you don't have to participate as as a as a voting member. You know what that might do too? It might discourage some of the people that have no freaking idea what they're voting on from voting because there's some people that don't know anything yeah. except who their favorite team is right. and some of their favorite team's players. Oh yeah, no, they might. Well, oh, I'm guaranteeing or, there's oh, some no, of those. Or, or they might, or they might look at a magazine or two yeah. and see what some of the other folks are on, predicting. Yeah, at the deadline, we we'll go. I need to vote on somebody from that team. Let me flip through. Yeah, Phil Steele. And see, yeah. what, see who Phil Steele voted yeah, for. No kidding. Yeah, who would do such a thing? Uh, well, see that. So, so no, I don't. I don't have a problem. No, at all. I don't have a problem at all. Yeah. With saying, I mean, I think. Yeah, that, we're. You know, we could. But just let everybody. We we could release all the votes. Just by doing this, your vote could be transparent. You know. Yeah. In I, case. I, oh, in case we. And just, I would uh, encourage. I would hope that you know maybe the SEC, if they want to do that starting next year, they they should they should probably yeah say you know what we're gonna when we release the when we release the the results we're gonna release everybody. You'll back. be able to, and and here a list of all of our attendees and how they voted. Sure, that's fine. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to G before we get to our first break this hour. Hey G. Hey, hey guys. Um, I got a couple of things I was going to ask about, but uh, one thing I wanted to find out: has there been any talk about any baseball stadium expansion for uh, to occur, say, the next year or two? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it's something that Bush wants and um, is pushing for. Good time for him to want that yeah. and push for it. Yeah. Uh, any I, idea of what we're talking about? Is there any? I mean, have yes. they? You know, say, oh, this is what we want, or this is what we're going to get. Any any specifics? That you yeah, I, I think most of the focus is on um, the area where they built the the new performance center, right out there, the where, top of that, out there where the K corner was, putting right. seating and on. bringing back K right. corner. That's right for some way, uh, okay. and then also possibly putting seats up above uh, the uh, Green Monster in left field. But I, I, I think I think also um, what what is very appealing is the possibility of some suites right. on the first base right. side, was, was, which yeah. can be you know Tiger Walk suites as well. Yeah, I, I think adding more suites to to the the back of the stadium, right mm-hmm. where the press box and all areas, extending that down and uh, redoing those areas uh, to make them a little better is also part of the plan. Donahue has been mentioned as yes. sort of the oh, yeah. desire, you know, where, where that would be. Uh, the Donaldson hitting lab you guys mentioned was designed for hitting, for seating to go yes. on top of it. So that's, that's always been, I mean, when they were building it, the plan was for seating in, in right field uh, at the uh, top of the new Donaldson hitting lab. You guys mentioned the, the, the seats on the, uh, on, on, on above the monster as well. I know that the 24 seven article earlier this summer uh, with with quotes from Alan Green, said that later this summer there was expected to be fundraising initiatives announced and things where folks can get involved. So I would I would stay tuned for for more details Anytime. on like, specifics yeah. about about what they're going to try to do. Yeah, and we talked to Butch about it about a week or so ago, right. and Stoltz put up a story on it, um, and that's available for free if you want to read it. But um, the other thing that okay. that you sort of mentioned was, um, and I, I'm not sure how this actually looks in person, but he talked about the um, the way the stadium presents itself down Donahue, mm-hmm. changing that facade in some way. But I'm not sure exactly what the changes would be. Or, or I'm really looking do. forward to it, though. Yeah. I'm really excited oh, um, about it. This this has kind of given me an idea of something that I had thought of not too long ago. And, you know, okay, who's the only SEC player in the Hall of Fame? Frank Thomas. Okay. And, you know, if anybody would need to be recognized uh, that played at Auburn University, I mean, there's so many great ones who have played, but, my gosh, the only player uh, who is in the, the Hall of Fame, Frank Thomas, I think, Something needs to be done, I think, for Frank. 
uh, in recognition of that, if, you know, as far as Auburn goes. What's y'all's thoughts on that? I mean, he is one of the players that is um, a part of the... Uh, it's out on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you sure, you, you, you sure don't ignore the, the, the first... Because it won't be forever. I've got a feeling there will, be, there will eventually mm-hmm. be somebody else from the SEC, but he will always be the first SEC player in the hall. That you've got a statue for Charles Barkley, you got one for Bo, you got one for uh, you know Pat Sullivan, uh, uh, Cam Newton. I oh well, the, I mean, as far as a uh, um, statue goes, they are putting in their yeah, Frank there's, Thomas. Yeah, there's a Frank Thomas statue mm-hmm. on on the way. Yeah, it was approved back in April, so that that's coming. Oh, well, I, yeah, hadn't heard a word about it. I believe during I the during the 2023 season, right? There will be a, an yes. unveiling of a, yes, a Frank Thomas statue. Correct. I believe yes. some at Very some point good. next year. Yep. Very good to know. Uh, now, one of the things that uh, I'd also, and I, and I don't want to bring up negative stuff, but I do want to bring it up, I guess. But when Nick Saban was hired at Alabama, um, one of the things that it seems like that they had pointed out was that, you know, Nick would call a lot of these shots. In other words, he's not going to be persuaded by boosters and things like that. Of course, winning helps, um, but I know – Seems like Alabama had a really bad season his first year, but she sure seven and six. Yeah, trying to let him out, you know. Um, but you know, they talk about boosters, but it's very interesting because you never hear a name. You never hear somebody say, "Oh, well, it's this person who's putting the pressure on him," or it's this person who wants him. You never hear. You never hear that. Why is that? Why is that? We never hear that. We just don't want to talk about it, or sometimes yeah. it's because they have they have the power to 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 uh, prevent their name from being out there, or or somebody maybe somebody who knows um, is is concerned about saying it, not having proof. But I but I would also, and again, we have to we have to imagine people's reactions in these sorts of situations. But I would also think that maybe someone who was trying to influence Nick Saban in 2007 would remember that he won a national championship at LSU four years earlier. Yeah, well, I, the other thing to remember is Alabama was so desperate when they when they went after Nick Saban that they said, I mean, everybody, uh, it was like, here it is, it's yours. Right. And, and, and they gave up, they pretty much gave up right to be able to do anything, and it would have taken multiple years of mediocrity for for there to have been able to be any success against uh, against that yeah. regime. Appreciate the call, G. We've got to get to our first break here of hour number two. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn Hotline here on The Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 25 minutes after 5 o'clock. Short segment coming up right now. And uh, we got a few minutes. Brian, you mentioned media op with uh, Bruce Pearl today. I didn't get a chance to get in on that. What all did uh, what all did BP have to say? You know, a lot of it was just about the Israeli trip and how special it can be to go on these trips for the players to experience, you know, a part of the world that maybe they're not familiar with and have visited all the special places mm-hmm. they're going to be going. Um, talked a little bit about the team, 
uh, said he'll probably use uh, three different starting lineups for all three games. This is not a time for him to start picking, you know, starters and such. It's just a time for them to develop and get better and see how, you know, different units look to working together. And um, talked a little bit about the newcomers and how well they're fitting in so far. Uh, so I think that's something to be excited about. And, of course, we're going to see a lot of those guys, uh, you know, during those three games. Um, I think he said the first and the third game. I think the first game is against the under-20 national team, and the third game is against the national team, will be the two toughest of the three. Saw where uh, Lior, part of a uh, yeah. uh, part of the, the championship team. Yep. So good, good for Lior, a, a terrific player uh, for Auburn and a guy that um, has really earned a lot uh, as a – I guess he's still a walk-on technically right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, look, looking forward to that. I, I – uh, um, they'll they'll be leaving, I guess, uh, the end of the week because I saw they've got a uh, they've got an event coming up uh, Friday, I guess. Uh, just just got the email. Did you see the uh, the email from Marlene? Uh, I thought they were leaving hoops, on hoops for hope AU camp on Friday from eleven to one. Yeah, it says, I, I it think, says Bruce is going to yeah. host that. Okay, so That's great. So uh, so yeah, I mean. Really excited! Really excited with the possibility. I'm glad that we know the times too. I was I was worried that the games were going to be like in the uh, you know the middle of the night or something. But they're all they're all uh, noon games. Yeah, should be perfect. Um, you know, for a little a little uh, break during the day to watch little hoops, and uh, it's going to be great just to get a chance to watch everybody, right? Because he's going to use one through twelve. It's not going to be like a typical game where the five starters you know might play. 25 or 30 minutes, I think you're going to see all everybody get in there and, and work and uh, get a chance to see those newcomers. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's a great opportunity for, for the newcomers. I yeah. mean, don't know. I mean, I, I wonder about, you know, the quality of all the competition, but the thing is it's playing against somebody other than themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we've heard, you know, seen some things and heard some good things about all, all four of them, you know, whether it's Westry and his length. And yeah, heard a lot. A, as a matter of fact, a, a lot of talk about Chance Westry. Yeah, his ability to play one, two, or three. Uh, been real impressive there. Trey Donaldson, a uh, really smart, heady player, good defender, is going to be able to learn a lot working, you know, at point guard and can play some shooting guard too. And, ju- um, and just like what we were saying about Brian Harson a lot in the first hour, it does feel like with the Auburn guards, it's a question of what did you learn from your first year in the program or in yeah. the SEC? And what, what did you, you know, what, what changes about your game? What are you strengthening? What are you eliminating from your game? And, and is any of them, uh, Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson, you know, can, can any of them take a, a substantial step forward? Or is that even needed? You know, just a little bit more consistency from all three of them could be enough for Auburn to be a lot better at guard than they were last year. Yeah, uh, I think they should be. I mean, uh, you saw how much Bryce Brown and uh, Jared Harper improved over the course of their Auburn careers. Uh, I have no reason to believe that that's you know Auburn's not going to get the same improvement from you know those guards that played a lot of minutes last year. Right, there's there's more reason to expect improvement from Alan Flanagan because you have the 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 injury you know that he was recovering from last yeah. year. But all three of those guys were first year Auburn Tigers that were playing with oh, a whole yeah. bunch of new teammates. And generally, that's going to be your biggest improvement. Exactly. All right, we'll step aside for our bottom of the hour break. Still time for you to join in. Again, 334-321-1390. Come on in here on the Monday Drive.
up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final 25 minutes or so here on this Monday Bill, Dan, Brian, Matthews from AuburnSports.com. Drew at the controls, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and John gets the start of this segment. Hey, John. Hey, guys. I haven't been able to catch a lot of your shows lately because of crazy work hours, but since Brian's on, I've got one question. With the upcoming football season, I just have one really big concern, and to me it's the offensive line, the ability of guys like Nick Brahms to actually move people out in the running game. And I'm just wondering... Um, I've heard Brian talk a little bit about recruiting. But I'm just wondering if we got anyone who's recruiting that's it's some rogue graders like some Wayne Gandys or Willie Andersons or guys like that that could actually, you know, move some tail out of the way and and Tank isn't and Tank's actually able to get to the second level. That's probably my biggest concern with the staff is getting some offensive linemen that can actually compete with top notch defensive linemen in the NFL. I'd like to hear Brian address that. That's all I really got. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate well, it, John. That would be my biggest concern with the current Auburn team and recruiting, too. So well, there you go. Um, as far as the guys coming back, um, I, I'm completely Missouri on it. Completely. You know, you know, I, I don't care what a coach tells me. I don't care what another player say. I got to see it first. So we'll see. Is my 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 first question is how how healthy really is Brandon Council? If Brandon Council is healthy. He was as good as Auburn had a couple of years ago before he got hurt. Yeah, and I, I think he is, and I think one of the um, reasons you can point to that is they were able to move um, uh, Jeremiah Wright, Jeremiah Wright back back to defensive line. So I think that's a, still a little surprised. Yeah, I am too. But still, I think that's one of the reasons they felt more comfortable doing that because of, of Council's return there. So you know that's big, and I think you know with. Um, Keandre Jones coming back for his junior season with a lot of experience. He could be a guy. That, I voted for Keandre. Yeah. He's, of, he's of a guy. guy that, yeah. yeah, he's a guy that got his first real serious playing time a year ago. Right. And uh, I think he's I think he's talented. And they think the coaches, and again, I'm Missouri, but they think that um, Killian Zaire has NFL potential. So that'll be a new guy in there at left tackle, uh, potentially. So you, you'd have those two next to each other. Um, possibly, or maybe it'll be council over. It. Like, and, I, and I know it's so. Either, either way, yeah, a chance to create some movement over there. Well, see that I think really a pro- Auburn had as much or more of a problem at guard and in the interior yeah. trying to open holes inside yes. last year. I mean, everybody, it's it's easier to notice when tackles screw up in pass rush. I mean, yep. that's when you notice tackles. Um, yep. But but Auburn did not get that push inside the guard play. I thought was was what was disappointing a year yeah. ago. And, you know, um, Austin Troxell, when healthy, I, I think he can create some movement, you know, when he locks into somebody. So he's one to watch there. The other thing I will say about the current situation is I think they've worked in the offseason to add some different ty- style runs and type runs to mix things up a little bit better and give Tank more opportunities. I, I got, yeah, I got the feeling that 
Tank was Tank was excited about some different things that sort of fit him a little better right. than what he felt Auburn was doing a year yep. ago. And as far as recruiting offensive linemen, I think Braden Joyner is underrated, and he is absolutely one of those guys that can move people. If you watch that spring game that they played, or one of them, where he drove a, a kid down the field like 30 yards, <laughs> uh, that, that's eye-popping to me. Uh, Connor Liu is another center-type guard that I think – Auburn could be in decent shape to get here in the next week or two. I think his decision's uh, August 4th or 5th, somewhere in there. I'm curious, you mentioned Brandon Council. I'm curious not just as to, you know, if Brandon Council's 100% ready to go as soon as fall camp starts, but also sort of how the injuries of the last couple of years have affected Brandon right. Council, if mm-hmm. he's still that impact offensive lineman that he was when he first arrived at Auburn, or if well, it's going to cash those security. I, I know. I mean, it's no, he's, he's been playing college football mm-hmm. for quite some yeah. time. Yeah. The guard that I've heard, Ray, I, I've heard positive things about the offseason, Cam Stutz. Yeah, is having. So I would, I, I would, uh, yeah. I would, that's another I, big guy. I, yes. I would mention him. Yes. And that's somebody, if you're talking about guys that haven't seen the field very much, mm-hmm. who could maybe, uh, there's reason to believe, provide something you haven't seen because, because they weren't out there. Cam Stutz, if he yep. were to win a job on the offensive line, uh, w- would, would indicate to me, uh, that he's, that he's starting to make good on a lot of the potential people thought he had very early in his Auburn career. Yeah. So they got some more to do on the offensive line recruiting wise. Uh, we'll see how it goes with Bo Ugly, the, the big offensive of tackle from Georgia, he would be an incredible uh, flip if they're able to get him from the University of Georgia. We'll see, you know, if that can happen. And then, uh, as as far as young guys, now it's not likely you're going to see a lot of them again. I know fans would love to see, you know, rotating offensive linemen. They just want to see more, <laughs> but I mean, you're just not. You no. don't see that anywhere. But uh, who are who are some of the the young linemen? I mean, obviously, EJ Harris was uh, was. We'll see. The, was the only one, the only one that time. Auburn signed right. a year ago. But Kobe Smith is a guy yes. that I, I, I hear has been impressive in, in some of the summer workouts. He's he's tackle size. He's six eight uh, now, around three twenty five ish, and uh, he. And is, we didn't get any updates in uh, sizes and weights or numbers for the for the uh, newcomers at media days. We usually get. Yeah, that. that's true. I was disappointed. Uh, but Since he, I couldn't go, I thought, I well, I'll be checking. I'm going to have those updates. But no. But he, he is a guy that we've heard good things from. Uh, a guy who plays really physical in the run game, which is some, something Auburn needs and has that big tackle body, which is something that Auburn has, has lacked at that position for a while. Maybe more of a right tackle. We'll see uh, how that goes. But, yeah, he's a young guy to watch. I think when you look at 2023, there could be a huge transition because you could lose – half of, of, of your scholarship offensive linemen or more. Uh, so they're going to have to bring in some guys, probably in the transfer portal, to help out a little bit there. And then look at some guys like Colby Smith to, chip, to, to step up into a starting role. 334-321-1390. That's the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise? Brian, wanted to get your thoughts on the, uh, the, the latest news. Right, we'd, we'd heard a while back about the the transfer portal windows, and now it's out there. The NCAA's proposal that's going to go before the board of directors is indeed going to have a 45-day window, which will start with bowl selection day, 45 days from that point on, uh, and then 15 days from the starting the 1st of May. Right. Um, that's, that's okay. Uh, the thing that surprised me was the... Uh, the mention that there's no longer it's no longer a one time right. now players would have the opportunity to transfer 
as often as right. once a year without I, without having to sit. And up. I think the reason for that is it's already happening, and the NSA feels like they have no no recourse to stop that. Like no rule they make is going to allow that to happen. If they try to do that or enforce it, they'll just be taken to court and lose, like they've lost every other court battle when it comes to these type of situations. So that was coming. Uh, unlimited transfers uh, is here, but I, I do think it's a good idea to put the put a, a, a shorter window in there where you know teams can better handle their roster and not worry about you know pieces leaving or coming or going late in the process. Like you know, right now you could still well, have yeah. That's the best thing to me is the May fifteenth. Right. Um, that I mean, that doesn't mean players. Won't enter the portal, but that just means they're not going to be able to play. If they do, they're not going to be able to play immediately. Right. Uh, well, we'll see about that. Again, I'm not sure well, the NCAA can. I think the we'll NCAA see. can. They can say, all right, you know, you've had plenty of time to enter yeah. the portal and be eligible this coming year. Because the the other thing is, doesn't say you can't you can't not play. It's just right. you can't be on scholarship. I guess so. You could if you want to go pay your own way, you could. But you can go be on scholarship. You just can't play. Uh, that. That would sort of have been, and I, I wonder, I mean, I guess did, um, you know, back when Prop 48 and everything was in there, mm-hmm. um, I don't recall there being much of a concern well, about legal actions, about not letting the right. the poor guys not I do, I do like the idea of having that just in general for college football. We'll see how it works. But I, I like it. I wonder if the, if the way you balance at least a little bit of the power back to, to coaches and administrators in that situation would be... If 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 transfers are, you know, if, if if free movement in the transfer portal is here to stay and players can leave whenever they want, do you remove the stigma attached to cutting a player or or removing a player from scholarship? If it's no, year mean, to year, well, I mean, if no. it's year to year for everyone, then then why why you can't saw the- part part of the rule was that that. Players that transfer from four-year schools must be guaranteed to stay on scholarship until they graduate, unless they leave school. Now, will they will they count against the eighty-five in no. that situation? No, or once their eligibility is used up, but they must still they, they. I mean, they count against the eighty-five until their eligibility is used right. up. So, no, I mean they they've left that in there. Um, so. I, I don't think the NCAA is trying to to do anything there. The one thing that's going to make it I tough. Like, I like the free movement for account. Well, I mean, I like players being able to leave well, for accountability. Here's the, thing. here's the thing, though. The NCAA, it's not going to be as easy as some people think because if you're transferring every year, you're still going to have to have the APR, that progress toward a degree. You're going to have to be 20%, 40%, 60%, 80% toward a degree. So you'd better be transferring somewhere where they've got a similar degree and you need to be keeping yourself in good academic right. standing. You can't right. be you can't be dropping so that, out of school. That's the other good. thing that that people at times don't but, think about. But we heard for a long time, right? We heard for a long time that on the recruiting trail, you can tell a kid anything, and once right. he signed, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to leave and you're going to sit out a year because you know most kids wouldn't want to, so they would, you know, a lot of the promises would go out the window. And now, uh, I think there's a little bit more accountability on the recruiting trail because if you sell a bill of goods to a kid. He's going to realize it pretty early on and get into the transfer portal before his freshman year. Sure, but if, but but if after but if but if you transfer once and 
And then it's like, oh, the same thing. It's almost like uh, fool me once. Well, did fool me twice. It's like you know. Well, we were talking. You, you better be a little more careful that, that 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 time after you transfer. Well, it's like we were saying about the guy with three divorces before his fortieth birthday, right? I mean, at some point, yeah. at some point, it's not some. Some point, it might be about you like, and not the, not the just bad luck. You yeah, just picks wrong. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe at some point, it might be a glimpse yeah, maybe. Into, into somebody's personality. Uh, so, uh, uh, no, I, I think that's it. It does seem like, as, as you guys mentioned. Either a fear of litigation, or or a, or a you know a fear of you know being faced with blocking someone's earning potential is is well, sort of I, no, stemming I think, from. I think it's more what I think it's more what Brian said. I think it is. There's so many waivers, and so many of the waivers were stamped. It's like okay, we'll go ahead and do it, but you're going to have to be academically eligible. And I think that's a very reasonable thing to say to them. Yeah. Go ahead, keep yourself eligible. If you're not happy, good luck, because the thing is. Look out there in the transfer portal. That's the other thing they need to keep reminding these potential transfers is take a look in the portal and see how full it is right now of players who haven't found a place mm-hmm. yet. And, and as some folks would say, uh, regular college students can transfer as much as they sure want they as, long, as long as they get into the school that they're... But they're going to have to be academically right, eligible. Right, as, as long as they're eligible at their that new school. Right. I mean, there's no limit on how much a, no. a regular student can transfer, so why put artificial roadblocks up in front of athletes that don't exist for, and, for regular students. How, how many regular students actually transfer, if you think about it? There's, well, I there's think it's quite a few. Quite a few multiple, but not, not multiple times. Yeah. And mom and dad are usually footing the bill. I would say it, it's, it's unusual to be on college number four <laughs> Yeah. As a student, especially but, on scholarship, but a lot of a lot a lot four. of students a lot of students uh, graduate from a different college than the one they enrolled in, yeah. you know, after their after their freshman year. But it's uh, uh, but no, you're right. It's it's not common. It's not as commonplace maybe as you know the, the, who's the who's the fellow at Missouri. You know, Jack Jack Abraham's, I believe, on school yeah. school four or five since he since he uh, since he graduated high school. Home. Yeah. Well, see, now the NCAA is making it where you could actually somebody like on six. Of course, you're not going to have the COVID year. I, so I just hope, five. I hope to God we're not so going to have to go You've already moved a couple times, right? Yeah. Because if you're on a roster in 2020 and you transferred a couple times since, yeah. you, you still got a chance to be at six different schools. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. I hope, yeah. I'm just hoping we're done with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in as we wind it down here on the Monday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of The Drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Brian Matthews. Oh, there's one little, there's, there's, there's a tiny little thing there. Um, and, uh, yeah, Brian, as we said, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a busy time. Hard to believe. I mean, it's great. Practice actually gets started in less than two weeks. A week from Friday, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yep. So uh, a player's officially report a week from Thursday this weekend. Well, this week you've got uh, recruits visiting, and then the weekend will be Big Cat. Uh, and also you've got uh, Auburn leaving for Tel Aviv and Israel for that trip and three basketball games, I guess, are all three next week? Yes. So those will be noon and then, you know, practice, recruiting, football, 
baseball. There's a lot going on with with the team as far as uh, you know getting the guys in and, and the information we talked about earlier about um, uh, potential upgrades to facilities over there. So um, just a lot happening at AuburnSports.com, and we'll get together tomorrow for our podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bmatau. And uh, this is the week. Couple of little little tidbits from uh, Brian Harson. Um, yeah, Keontae Scott supposed to be on campus yep. this week. Yep, he would be. He is the last, the last of the uh, right, eighteen uh, new players. Yep, um, and so that'll be a complete class, which is great. And he's a guy that can help out those numbers at cornerback and nickel can play both. So um, I think defensively, that's one of Auburn's uh, most talented and deepest areas on the team. You know, I mean, the edge position is very talented, but it's not very deep. I think the defensive line is very talented. Maybe not deep with um, experience, but I, I think they've got uh, some guys who are going to step up this year. And then linebacker has numbers, but, you know, not a lot of experience other than Owen Popo. So we'll see how those guys step up. But, you know, I think that secondary is just strengthened even more with Keontae's addition. I, uh, I talked to Derek Hall at Media Days last week and asked him about players who had impressed uh, him with the strides they'd taken since the bowl game. The first name he mentioned was Zion Puckett. Yeah. Somebody we don't talk about a tremendous amount, but, uh, but Zion Puckett has been uh, there. They're sort of waiting his turn uh, with with Auburn safeties uh, in the uh, in the, in the back of the uh, uh, you know in in the in, in the defensive backfield. And a, a strong season from Zion Puckett would certainly help with the losses that Auburn had uh, in the secondary last year. He also mentioned uh, Donovan Kaufman as, as somebody who's gotten yeah. a lot better in year two. And, and Zion has played through a lot of injuries in his career so far. So if he can have a healthy season, he could be uh, a guy that maybe steps up and, and makes a lot of plays back there that people aren't expecting. And then Donovan Kaufman has a lot of SEC experience now, and I think he's going to be Auburn starting uh, nickel and be one of those guys that can make some plays around the line of scrimmage too and then the only the only player that uh, coach arson mentioned as any injury concern at all was craig mcdonald yeah yeah the uh safety uh from iowa state who transferred in i think he said he's a ankle, foot injury foot or ankle something like that but it didn't sound to be very serious yeah i hope not i yeah. mean uh but uh again that's at a position where auburn's got auburn's got some guys but he's a player that i think you know you you look at him and you would think uh, also, they, they didn't bring him in to sit either. I would think no, that, that but, he's he's expected to come in and compete, if not start. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that people are pointing to to be a starter. And you got to like Auburn's young guys there at the safety position. Caleb Wooden had a terrific spring mm. and has that same attitude and work ethic that his older brother has. I, I think he's a future star here. And then um, trying to think of the other kid that at the safety position, Caden Bridges, I think, the Richard freshman, right. has a lot of physical tools. And a guy is just a guy, a guy to keep on, uh, an eye out for the future. I think he could be a good player for Auburn. All right, uh, Brian. Again, great having great having you in. Great having you back. Yeah, uh, uh, and and looking forward to everything that's uh, that's coming up. I mean, he's got his Monday musings. You guys didn't talk about the, his his musical choice from the Monday musings. No, Aaliyah, the tragic yes. story of the R and B singer, the, uh, the the talented uh, the talented young woman who uh, passed away in the plane crash in two thousand one. Uh, that this. Uh, I just never. I, I, I never have any idea what what. Uh, that's one of the most interesting things. Is yeah. you're about as eclectic as I it try, gets. I there try to go music. across different genres and different things, and I learn a lot doing it too. And the fact that she did so much, uh, you know, and passed away at twenty two, so and has yeah, such sure. a incredible, you know. 
you just wonder what she would have done over the last uh, decade yeah, or, or shock, two decades. Shocking how young she was yeah. for what she uh, really for what is. she accomplished. Uh, Mick Jagger, uh, seventy nine years old tomorrow. By the way, Mick Jagger, uh, uh, you know, get, getting and, up there and, and Paul Silvino still moves away, around. Right? Yeah, that's that's a big loss there. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, Guess, yeah, cast of Goodfellas. Yep. Uh, d- d- drop, drop it, drop it well, like flies lately. It's been a little while. It's been thirty plus years. It's too bad, but that's a. Uh, Another excuse to watch that one, right? Yes. You know, speaking of, speaking of great music, you know, one of, one of the great one of the great soundtracks you'll let, you'll ever find in a uh, in, in a movie. Brian, again, thanks, man. Uh, we'll see you hopefully next week. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, we're just about out of time here on the Monday edition of the Drive. Uh, Bill and Dan uh, should be back with you tomorrow. I don't know of uh, any 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 exciting things. But oh, Barrett have Little League or something? He's not be able to. Tonight? I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I don't know. Baseball's back. Soda getting traded? Uh, maybe so. Card- Cardinals? Cardinals Padres? or Padres? Ooh, watch yeah. out. Yeah. Who's who's ready, who's ready to just cash in their farm system? Braves? No. Probably not. So. Probably not at least. So. All right. That's going to do it for the Monday Drive. We're back with you tomorrow at 4. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.